Welcome to Analog Modern Radio. My name is Nathan Queso. Today, my guest is the great John Dolan. John is a photographer based in New York. He's been photographing weddings for 35 years and has recently published a book of his work titled The Perfect Imperfect. His approach to photography has given me endless inspiration in my own work and the way that I look at weddings, and it was so great to be able to get him on board for a chat. Have you ever been to Australia? You know, I'd never have. I'd love to, but... It's a long way to go. Yeah, long way to go. <laughs> There's some dang good photographers down there, though, I tell you. Yeah, there are, for sure. Especially in Melbourne, there's a great, really solid wedding photography uh, scene. It's very creative. I think Melbourne's got a good, like, creative industry in general. Um, and supportive, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I find, um, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast you did recently, and you were talking about how supportive the wedding industry is. Like, and I, I find it the same thing. I came from an advertising background where people will just sell their own mother to win a job, you know, and uh, right. to go from that to an industry where, yeah, people, you know, refer each other and help each other out and help each other learn. And, you know, yeah, it's quite, quite amazing, really. It's been life-changing, actually, stepping into that. It's that endless supply of brides that helps. Like, yeah, well, that's it. There's no it? shortage. <laughs> no. They keep coming every year. Yeah, and even with all the new photographers, it seems like there's so much work around for everyone. There's, you know, we don't need to sort of compete too yeah. hard against each other. Yeah, it is amazing to watch, and it's there's just no other work for young photographers except for weddings. You know, there used to be magazines, and they're all gone. Yeah. So all that talent had nowhere else to go, but it's like, okay, I'll shoot a wedding. Yeah, and there's a lot less, uh, I guess, uh, stigma attached to it now than there used to be. Um, I don't know what it was like when, yeah. you know, and I don't know you said you, you sort of did editorial stuff as well, but like I know coming, I, I've worked in the film industry for a long time and in commercial video production. Uh, I, I did wedding videos for about uh, seven years now. I'm just about to finish up my last one and I've sort of shifted to photography in the last couple of years, but I would never tell anyone in the film industry I worked in weddings. They'd just be like, oh God, I did one wedding once and it was the worst and they hate it and they just exactly. think you're just the bottom of the barrel. And it's like, you have yeah. no idea. I get treated well. I get paid well. I can control when I get paid. Everyone's lovely to me. Everyone's appreciative of the work. You're doing something that people yeah. will actually keep. You're not making an ad yeah. that's going to sell something to someone that they don't <laughs> even want. Yeah. Yeah, is that what? What's it like in the states in in terms of that? Is that a similar kind of view of wedding photographers? You know, I I'm so in my own world. I don't know, but I, I mean, that was by my big re revelation back in the '90s that it was the lowest form of photography. It was really uncool and uh, it was difficult. It was if you're shooting film, it was uh, chaotic and also the level of the sophisticated client hadn't gotten there yet. So, you know, it was kind of a process of teaching clients what a good photograph is, uh, educating people. And then once they got it, once they saw it, you know, people went crazy for it. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was definitely not cool when I started, which was great for me because I had it all to myself. Do you call yourself a wedding photographer? Do you tell people that's what you do or do you just call yourself a photographer? Yeah, I've always said I'm a, I'm a photographer at a wedding. Just, you know, it's all part of the same thing, whether I'm photographing families or weddings or ad jobs. It's all photographing people as in these in-between moments, unguarded, unscripted, 
I, I shot a fair bit of fashion and we always tried to mess it up. So it wasn't so perfectly choreographed and posed. And, uh, you start attracting those clients when you, when you stake that position out. So I, I always had this position that I'm, I'm not a director. I'm a collector. I'm not a, I'm not going to choreograph the scene. Um, but I'm really fast and I'm really, uh, good at sensing when something feels right. Uh, so once I kind of figured that out in commercial work, my rep really took that and ran with it. And it was kind of a cool thing in those days to have that natural look. I listened to the, the other podcast you did recently and uh, you said, I think you said something along the lines that it was weddings were considered a bit of a low art back when you started. Yeah. Did, did you make a conscious effort to be different at that time or was it just you were just doing what came sort of naturally to you and that by default was different to what was going around? Oh, I absolutely uh, owned it and took it as a mission, uh, you know, a little bit of a missionary. Uh, I committed to weddings and it's almost like I didn't talk down to my audience. I thought uh, I'm getting invited to create something amazing on this Saturday night. And it suited my skills so perfectly of blending in with people and talking to people or staying on the outside and going in and dancing, sort of dancing in and out. That was my natural way of photographing. So uh, it really was almost like I was designed to photograph weddings in my own way. It's just that people started trusting me and I started finding people who were really visually literate and really sophisticated and they wouldn't, you know, they were so uh, appalled by traditional bad wedding photography in the 80s and 90s so when they saw somebody who was really into it they just you know jumped at it so it was it was a thrilling time because i was making it up i had no idea what the rules were so that was a huge advantage i didn't know what other people were doing yeah and i think coming in with that fresh respect like you kind of need that in industries especially creative industries every now and then for a new wave to just kind of come in and go we're just not going to do it like this at all anymore and we're just going to kind of reset things or you do just get stuck yeah. in that um stuck in that mold um i think you described uh wedding photography with something like the used car salesman with cameras yeah i worried i worried that that was a little harsh but i don't i actually think it was it was more that it was just kind of a job for people yeah and exactly it, yeah um that was the thing for me, it's not a job, but it's not work. It's, it's really this, I really see it as this, uh, this kind of gift, um, especially kind of coming from a little bit of street photography and, uh, the other stuff where I didn't know what I was shooting. When I got to a wedding, I knew everywhere I looked, there were pictures. So for me, it was just the juiciest kind of subject matter because there was so much drama going on. And I think the more traditional used car guys were just, they weren't looking for new pictures. And I had, I had such fresh eyes when I first came to weddings. It was just, you know, I would get high just looking at all the, the storylines and the subtle dramas. I'd get so f inspired by it. I think that's been my mission is that I would contend there's so much going on at weddings that most people don't see because they're not looking in the right way. Uh, and if you step back and really watch people, how they're breathing, how they're holding their breath, how they're, you know, when they're about to give a speech or how 
you can sometimes see people fighting in subtle ways or a little bit uh, disappointed in each other or, you know, there's all these little clues of miniature dramas that just make it fascinating. Um, but I, I like to use the word new wave because I definitely felt in the 90s that I was part of a small group and we were the young Turks kind of, you know, busting down the doors and shaking things up. And, you know, maybe there's a new moment for that. Uh, there's certainly a lot of great young photographers out there. And, uh, you know, I encourage them to break the rules and reinvent. It's not easy, but it's, it's an opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's tricky because it's a pretty insular kind of industry. And uh, especially, I think, with Instagram, everyone's just kind of looking at each other. And the new people that come in, you know, they see the, the famous sweating photographers on Instagram and they just, you know, everyone's doing a similar kind of thing and they look at that and they go, oh, I want to be like that and I want to do that. And they just kind of, it's, I guess it's natural to just kind of start copying or, you know, being influenced by those photographers. But then they just, it just ends up in a cycle where everyone's kind of doing the same thing and no one's bringing their own take. Because, you know, so, I think so much of, um, you know, what, what you put out as a, you know, as a photographer is, you know, like you, you draw influence from so many different, well, you can draw influence from so many different places. Like myself, I love reasonable collection of photo books, um, you know, of, like Robert Frank and Vivian Maher and uh, Martin Parr and all, you know, just all these different people. And that's the kind of photography I love. And I don't really try and copy it, but it just, you know, you look at it enough and it's just going to start coming out. Um, and if you just stare at Instagram all day looking at, the same kind of wedding photographers and that's kind of naturally what you can end up doing. Yeah. It takes that. Um, I think it takes risk. I think you need to take some risks and I think you need to, you know, it's kind of a cliche to say you have to find your own voice, but you really do. What, what are you seeing when you walk into an assignment or an event or I think it's fine to imitate for a little while at the beginning and then you have to just forget it all. I think the biggest challenge is that the script is always the same at every wedding. So I, I've met a lot of photographers who get stuck in this, in these tracks that they've learned over the years. If they second shoot for somebody, they're in those people's tracks. You, you rely on what you did last week. Um, and I've always tried little tricks to, to shake myself out of my own tracks and discover something new, but whether it's using a different camera or, you know, we used to do a thing in college where you'd shoot with your other eye or, you know, like a glass of wine during the reception to yeah. loosen things up and see things. And, you know, I do a lot of things where I walk out of an event and come back in fresh and, you know, go out and get fresh air. And you have to constantly forget that you're, you just somehow scrub your eyes clean and then come back in and say, what's going on? What's different? Yeah, just kind of, I guess, disrupting the process so that you can, you know, not get, yeah, not like I said, not sort of get stuck in that track because it is easy at a wedding to just do the same thing over and over. It's like, they're, you know, they're all kind of fit in a very similar kind of format. But at the same time, there's there are lots of, you know, subtleties and differences there, but you have to look much harder to notice those and be like, okay, you know, walking down the aisle, vows, rings, first kiss, back down the aisle, family photos, etc. Yeah, I sort of think of the the seven peaks of a wedding, whatever there are, uh, seven or 10 peaks. But um, I think that we also have to acknowledge that photography is so easy. The camera is so easy these days. It's taking the picture is not the hard part. And I think that's, I think people get caught up in that, in thinking they need to um, make everything just right. If they miss a shot, they get upset. And 
that's why I named the book The Perfect Imperfect because the perfect pictures, I don't believe them always. I'm, even my own pictures that look too perfect, they just, they lull you into this sense of, uh, of the surface of a thing, but it's not really the thing. So I'm always interested in what's beneath the surface and what's that moment that's a little bit, uh, it's got a heartbeat or it's got a temperature to it or it's got some noise or, you know, I think people get so caught up in making sure they got the shot and <laughs> it's, it's such a trap. Yeah. Uh, and no one knows the shot you missed. You're the only one who knows the shot you missed. And I always think that, I want to exceed my own expectations instead of trying to hit the expectations of the planner or the client. So I'm trying to thrill myself and, you know, and that I think if you aim high, you have a better chance of, uh, of succeeding. I'm curious to know on that, on kind of on that point, um, how much you're shooting for yourself and, you know, your own curiosity and, you know, versus trying to please the clients um, and, you know, just thinking about, I guess, what is going to be valuable to them, um, what, you know, what they're expecting and what, you know, what's going to be valuable to them now, but also down the track. You made a great point uh, in the book that, um, you know, fo wedding photos ripen over time, which I think is, you know, just such a perfect way to put it. The photos that I love now, just of my own family, I, I you know, I go back and look in the ones that um, I thought were really important at the time, Hans, and, the one, you know, there's very mundane ones uh you know where i can just see everyday life in i can see so much more of the people you know the people the, their personalities and you know just you know the way the kids would sit at the table for breakfast and yeah you know i can i yeah. can see so much of them in that versus you know the perfect beautiful shot at sunset where they're running along the bed you know whatever it is um so yeah, yeah. You, you're sort of striving to um please your own um i guess curiosities and yeah i have two points about that I mean, one is, wouldn't you love a picture from uh, when you're four years old having breakfast? I mean, I would I would die for that picture, just a normal morning. Uh, so who's going to take those pictures? I think the, you know, the painfulness of seeing people try to get a Christmas picture where everyone's smiling. I, you know, I really want to start a campaign to tell the parents of the world stop telling your kids to smile stop making them smile make them laugh but please don't say jimmy smile for the camera but i think you know my guiding principle is that i think it's unfair to expect a couple to know what they should want at their wedding it's the first time doing it for me it's 30 years of experience so i actually uh i'm the author of these pictures i i have a certain distance from them so I'm trying to make pictures that I think if they discover in 20 years, they're going to, they're going to be able to feel that night and feel that the freshness of their relationship. And if I please myself, my clients are going to be happy. If I just try to please the clients, I'm chasing their tail and uh, it's a losing battle. So I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of advice out there saying, you know, we're in a service industry and you have to, you know, please the client, do whatever they need to make them happy. And uh, like you're a concierge at the Four Seasons, but I would contend that we're we're much more like specialists, and we're we're like a heart surgeon. And I fly in, and I perform this one thing that I'm good at, and then you know, 
I leave. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a different it's a different mindset, and it's a weird mindset from a business standpoint. And you know, the capitalist thing you want to grow your business. I don't want to grow my business. I want to perform ten really successful operations a year. To continue the metaphor. Yeah, and it, I guess it really does depend on yeah what you're focused on. If you're fo- focused on making a lot of money, or you're focused on delivering something that you actually think has value. Um, and, you know, putting more effort into exactly. making that as good as, as it can be. I've got a copy of the book. It's amazing. I've got to say congratulations. Like, it's such a, I mean, it's a, it's such a beautiful book. And like I said, I, I love uh, photo books. And it, it just fits so perfectly in my shelf with all, you know, those um, sort of artists that I, that I mentioned, which is quite amazing for uh, wedding photography. So I think it definitely breaks the mold. I'm, I'm sure of what wedding photography was back when you started and even what wedding photos are now. I don't see anyone really photographing the way you do with taking the kind of pictures um, that's in that book. You know, I think that the title is so fitting, The Perfect Imperfect, because, you know, a lot of the photos aren't sort of, like I said, they're not sort of super polished and clean, uh, these amazing, you know, amazing perfect wedding photos, but there's such a human element in them. You know, they feel like they've been taken by a person. I can see the humanity of the people and the moments in the photos. I'm curious to know, like, how long... It's, it sort of has taken you to develop that style and have the confidence to deliver those kind of pictures to people when, I guess, particularly when you started, people would have been, or the expectation would have been that you're going to deliver these perfect, sparkly, classic wedding photos. Yeah, it was never the expectation. I think early on, because I was this kind of rebel, I was able to explain that to people and they were attracted to that. But all along, I've really had this point of view that uh, I'm shooting from a first-person point of view, if we go to a sort of film metaphor, uh, that this is my take on your wedding. I'm not going to show what the wedding looked like exactly. I'm going to just show you how I felt at your wedding. So in the, in the really early things, uh, weddings, I remember being so out of position when the bride's walking down the aisle. I was in a pew behind somebody and she's coming by. But those pictures were thrilling because it was, it, you know, you were there. So I was always putting the camera in these very strange places because I didn't know where I was supposed to stand or I was afraid to get the priest mad at me. So, you know, I think that naivete was really useful and... I think a lot of photographers are too professional. They're too dang good. And you have to mess it up. You have to, maybe an analogy would be if you're such a great chef, but you need to just just make dinner without a recipe, basically, Mm. instead of following the rules so specifically. Uh, And that's that improvisational thing was really great. I mean, maybe it's the difference between a pianist who's, playing all the notes or somebody who's just improvising. And um, I always encourage people just to do a wedding, a low stakes wedding. So a a wedding for a friend or somebody in need where you have no, there's no money involved and you're just going as a guest with a camera and see what that unlocks in you. And that can be really thrilling. I did it a couple of weeks ago and it was incredible. It was just, I didn't come as a professional. I came as just pal and um you know drank and ate and had a great time i didn't dance but (laughs) i got good dance pictures yeah but i think that that's the mind shift that i would suggest 
uh, I certainly meet a lot of photographers who are burned out creatively because they've gotten so successful really quickly. And I think there's a danger in that, um, that kind of growth model that you're just a rocket ship and you do 30 weddings and then five years later, you just completely drained yourself creatively. Yeah. It's that whole mindset of what was it like that night? Yeah. Show me the pictures of what it felt like. It's really interesting too, looking at the, like going through the book to me, uh, the only way I can really uh, tell what era the, because there's pictures spanning 35 years. And the only way to tell what era the picture is from is usually the clothing, um, you know, and hairstyles, you know, they're, they're all so consistent. Is, is that something that like, you, you've never sort of strayed off your kind of style? Is that something you're conscious of? Or you, again, is it just, you're just going and and kind of doing your thing. It was it was a funny revelation when I when I was doing the captions for the book because I hadn't been that aware of it. But when I was putting it all together on a spreadsheet, I saw that each decade was represented, and it definitely pleased me that I didn't go downhill. And didn't yeah. you know some photographers have uh, three good years and then they just copy themselves? But I, I did realize that I have a natural way of composing a natural way of working but i use uh i use a bag of tricks that is varied so you know i use a lot of different formats a lot of different cameras so that keeps it somewhat fresh for me and it's not locked into one style but it was a testament that weddings are a rich enough subject that you can do 35 years of work and not burn out on them and i imagine um when digital you know, came to the forefront, the style of, well, for, for probably across all photography completely changed. Um, it was br brutal. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like yours did, and I'm assuming you're still shooting a lot of film. The photos still look like they're taken on film. Was there, was there any temptation to jump on that bandwagon, or did you were just happy with the way you were doing things? Oh, it was it was crush It was soul-crushing because um, the first Canon, the 5D that I got, first time I used it I just couldn't uh it sent all my pictures toward the middle it made all my pictures good but there weren't any surprises so it uh you know the autofocus messed with me uh auto aperture <laughs> messed with me it I was so used to having manual control over everything and I overexpose all the time so all my digital files were just you know 50% were out of focus or blown out mm. or just a mess so it really took me years uh more commercial work more corporate work got me to embrace digital but it was very slow and the leica m240 was the first digital camera that really felt good in my hands so so i still am not i'm, I'm still a film guy but i i've learned to introduce digital into my whole process and make it i'm having better time with digital there's definitely a place for everything. I, I I don't love the whole film versus digital argument because it always just seems like it's purists yeah. from either side and they're like, this is better or this is better. And they'd, I mean, they're all really just tools as long as you're getting the result that you want, then it, it kind of doesn't yeah. matter. I'd love to know a little bit about the kind of formats that you're shooting on. Like I don't like to go too much into the technical side because again, I think it is like they are all just tools, but I know with film, I don't know, I, I feel like they're the kind of, camera that you use 35 mil and medium format and there's so many 
ratios within, um, you know, 120 film. And they all kind of feel a bit different and, and influence the way that you kind of shoot. You know, if you're shooting square, even versus square versus, um, you know, six, seven, I think is, is quite different yeah. in the way you compose and things. So, um, yeah, I'd love to know a little bit about, like, kind of, I guess, what you shoot, but uh, more so how you choose what you're going to shoot on for any particular frame. That's that's the that's the really interesting question because there is a trap of talking about which camera and then people go rush for those cameras to imitate that thing. And uh, for each job, I when I'm prepping for the job, I have a little conversation with my cabinet full of cameras. Like, who wants to come out and play this weekend? Who's right for this job? Uh, what's going to be the secret weapon that shakes me up? So I, you know, I try to mess my kit up a little bit, but it it's it's a really intuitive process in my camera bag what I'm grabbing for next. And I have, you know, some daylight cameras that I put them to bed at when the sun goes down, and then I bring out the night crew, the night shift, and so it's a it's a really intimate and personal connection you have with your tools. You know, maybe some photographers have it with lenses. I don't change lenses. I change cameras more. But it's, you know, it's it's a variety pack. Uh, I mean, I watch a lot of films. I watch, I watch a lot of quality TV and films. And you see that the emotional change you feel when a lens, a different lens is used or a different aperture. And that reverse engineering of that is the fun game to play. So I've started using a an old six by seven camera that's quite objective and it's quite wide and it's a whole different look for me, but it's, it's thrilling because it's almost like my God camera. Cause it's, I did a picture a couple of years ago out in the Arizona desert at this place. And it was this whole scene of a tiny wedding on this rock formation. Um, and it's a completely sharp, perfect picture, but it was so bizarre. The scene was so strange and otherworldly that it, the sharpness kind of made it messed with your brain a little bit. So it wasn't dreamy. It was hyper real. So I think it's, it's making that calculation of what does this lens make you feel? What does this camera make you feel? And when's the right intersection of that with, with the subject? Yeah. It is a, a lot about feel just, just little changes to things. I think like the, uh, something about like, for me, like I, I love shooting on film, just looking at midges that are on film and maybe it's kind of the nostalgia of it or, you know, even just the way film grain gets rend uh, rendered, you know, in, in like black and white, that I feel is kind of emotive in a way. And I don't really know why, but I, I don't necessarily think that I need to know why either at the same time, as long as, right. I, as long as I'm getting, you know, as long as you get the coming out the way you want it and you know when to use things to create a particular feeling rather than going, oh, I've got to get the latest, sharpest 35 mil lens because that just came out. I had a, I had a friend who was a... Uh an expert in 1950s soul music. He was a sound engineer and I was in his studio one time and he was playing, he was playing all these different records from the fifties, some early Elvis, some other sun sessions, musicians. And he was talking about um, how they were recorded and what equipment they used and the richness of the sound. And he had me stand in his, in this sweet spot in his studio where the sound just was right floating in front of you. Uh, and he said it was recorded in this special way that it had the richness, the depth. And, you know, that, that sort of stuff is part of our job is to learn the craft so well that you know how to control every element of it. And I think that that's, 
that's where people should be putting their efforts instead of SEO or, um, you know, (laughs) lessons on how to serve your client. It's like, how do you own the whole process and make something extraordinary? I'd love to just circle back quickly. I just want to, I did want to ask a bit just about when you were starting out, like you said, you were kind of coming in and disrupting things a bit and and doing things different. How did you go about getting your work out, uh, you know, into the world at that stage? Because, uh, you know, obviously there was no internet, there's no social media. How, how you, you know, your career kind of got going? Because um, it must have been very different to, to what it is now. It was, it was painful. <laughs> it was, it was, um, I had a long apprenticeship, so I didn't start hitting the streets of New York till I was 30. So I worked in dark rooms um, for six, probably six years before that. And then um started getting some magazine work i started shooting friends weddings um and you know I, the weddings were in the background but i was because i was i my dream was to be a magazine photographer or a fashion photographer but i found myself um bringing some wedding pictures into my portfolio and i'd slip them in at the end and when i'd go to a to meet an editor and I had one editor I was talking with showing her my commercial book, which was okay, but it wasn't that great. And then I, I, I could tell the meeting was going a little clunky. So I just showed her a few wedding pictures and she loved them. And then of course she said, I'm getting married next July. She worked at Condé Nast. I shot her wedding and then through her, I got, you know, the photo editors talk to each other. So it kind of went like wildfire from there. Um, and the, the real historical moment was 1995, Martha Stewart started her first wedding magazine and I was in the first issue and that just blew the doors off. But, but it really was, you know, I was trying to be a magazine photographer and all that along I was shooting 10, 15, 20 weddings a year for magazine people. So, uh, you know, my first five years, I shot the, the cool kids of New York, basically all the, the young art directors and writers and photo editors weddings. So it was accidentally a really brilliant marketing strategy. Shoot, 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 uh, influential visual people. And then I got work, commercial work out of that as well as friendships. And, uh, so that was the trick. What do you think about the sort of longevity of you know, any photographer shooting weddings? Because I, I know, I mean, people can get burnt out really quick by having a model of doing, you know, however many weddings a year, that's just too many. And, and eventually, I guess they get sick of it or they're working too hard and, and, and they go and do something else. You've been in the game for, for quite a while, um, shooting a much lower volume. Have you always seen it as something that you'll do a long time or are you, are you just continuing to enjoy it? And just I keep hearing people, I've heard for years, people say, you know, I only want to shoot weddings for a little while and I don't want to be shooting weddings when I'm, whatever age. And I just look at them and say, who else is going to pay you that much on a Saturday night? You know, it's like good luck finding the alternative because I haven't seen it. It's a tricky thing because it is such a lucrative business. It's such a, uh, you don't have to work that hard to find jobs because they're coming at you like asteroids. Like you have to, so the problem shifts. How do you make it sustainable creatively? And I think that's the bigger question. Um, if you're going to do it for 10 years, 
you, you better do it well and you better do it for yourself because uh, I've always, I've really seen my creative energy as this finite resource. And if you burn it out on weddings, you don't love, it's going to be drained and you're going to be, you know, running on empty soon. So that's what I, that's this mind shift that I really like to press people on is imagine you're, you only have a finite number of weddings in you only take the ones you really want. I mean, I know everybody's got to pay their rent, but you know, you got to choose where you want to be on September 8th. Do you want to be at this, at the wedding that you really want or weddings are a gift and you got to treat them well. This, this could be a little bit of a sensitive uh, question, but given that you're you're probably a bit older than the couples whose weddings you're photographing, um, <laughs> do, do you find it different, uh, I guess, relating to people who are now of a, a different generation? It's a great, it's a great question. The, the, the hard years were the 40s because I, I wasn't the age of the bride or groom uh, and I wasn't the age of the parents. I was just kind of in between and um, I'm closer in age to the parents. So I, I have a really interesting relationship, especially with the father of the bride or father of the groom that I have three kids. I get it. And I talk to them about this, what they're going through. And there's a really interesting kind of moment where I've switched in my point of view. Um, it was one wedding where I, the father was, giving a speech and I'd had a really intense conversation with him before he was giving a speech and he trusted me. And, uh, so I didn't shoot, I didn't go over by the bride and groom. I went behind the father of the bride and shot over his shoulder back towards the bride and groom. So basically I was, you know, three feet away from him, but because he, we had established that trust, it was kind of cool. And he loved that picture because it was as if, you know, the camera's on his shoulder. I see that weddings are not only about the bride and groom. They're about, you know, the parents, what they've, they've raised these two people. And they, you know, I can already imagine who my wife would have at her table when one of my kids gets married. It's like, oh, uh, these are the people who raised these two. So, you know, it's, it's a, a deeper way of looking at weddings instead of this is your best day ever and it's all about the bride uh, you know, i see it in a lot more chapters and a lot more depth to it yeah i think that comes through in your work it doesn't look like you're just photo yeah photographing for the couple you are documenting the whole day and focusing on everyone who's there which i think is really important because that's what people the, the couple i guess is your client but you know everyone who is there is important to them and they want pictures of them too that you know really reflect those people not just you know not yeah. just a set of family group photos like they want to be able to look back on pictures of their parents and really be able to see yeah. them you know in them when you really look at it it's this one moment where everybody uh who matters to you is in the room so and there's also this the stark reality of if the uh, the couple is in their late 20s or 30s, the parents are in their 60s, the grandparents are in their 80s or 90s, you know, there's often a baby born or somebody in the hospital at a, at a wedding. And I've tried to, to include all that, uh, all those layers of emotional range and uh, 
melancholy and bittersweet and there's a tinge of sadness or somebody's missing. Uh, I think about that stuff all the time at the wedding, that this is the last time the grandparents going to see, you know, these two people or uh, you see the pain some, I, I, my mother was ill for years. So I was very sensitive to, I'm sensitive to watching grandparents who are putting themselves out to be there and they can barely walk, but they're up dancing for, you know, two minutes. And uh, so I think it's, that's really what I try to point out uh, in the message of the book and the message of when I teach is look at the wide range because so much wedding photography is so narrow. And, and that's really, uh, to get back to the used car salesman, uh, those photographers had such a narrow range of emotions in their pictures, and it was flat. It was cardboard. And I'm trying to bring life into you know, the full range of it. Because certainly in the States, we don't have that many things that we celebrate together. We have 4th of July, Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> you know, graduation maybe, but weddings are this this one thing we all come together for. So even Instagram now, there's this desire to make life look better than it really is. You know, like the whole hashtag blessed thing, like we're just, everyone's trying to make their life look amazing visually or, you know, just that they're having more fun or, or whatever it is. And it, there's just not a lot of um, substance behind any of that, but I feel like that's yeah. trickled into wedding photography again now, just, just with social media being so prominent and people looking for their wedding photographers on Instagram and now TikTok somehow. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I just, I mean, that's one thing when I, when, when I, when I ask about, you know, uh, relating to, to couples and things, cause I look, you know, I mean, I'm 38 now. I started weddings. I was 30. So I was sort of around the age of the people who are getting married. Um, and now, yeah. you know, a little bit older, but still, I still feel like we're on the kind of the same page, but I'm like, I don't feel like I'm far off being like, uh, you know, I look at that TikTok generation coming up and I'm like, when you guys get married, you're not going to want me and you're not going to want what I like. Nah. So I, I, that's, that's when I think about longevity in it. Like I, you know, I still love doing it. I love being part of weddings, but I'm like, am I going to be uncool or am I going to not be the right fit for people anymore? <laughs> so it's impressive that you've, um, you know, maintained a career for so long without trying to chase the style, you know, chase the trends and you know staying relevant in that way <laughs> i'm glad i'm not starting out now <laughs> i'm definitely glad i'm i got established but it's maybe maybe people still i think there will still be a hunger for something real and i think there's a moment at a lot of weddings where the reality of the of the wedding hits people this this i i, I call call it to myself like when's the moment of truth when's it when is it kind of slap people in the face that this is actually more than just a party. This is actually a, you know, a ritual. And if you watch carefully, there's usually some moment where it's like, oh man, this is it. This is, <laughs> uh, and, and I watch my couples so carefully throughout the day that it's, uh, it's like I'm taking their pulse and watching their blood pressure. And it's really fascinating to watch them go through these, you know, tension and nervousness and annoyance at family members and frustration and then ecstasy. And it's crazy. And I, I think, you know, social media is what it is. And I try to use it. 
I try to mess people up a little bit with my my own feed just to not make it too expected. But it's also not super easy to put really complicated pictures in a small square on this phone. So my daughter's always tried. She's been my advisor, and she just says, keep it simple and keep it bold and imagine somebody's in line at the coffee shop. So you got to grab them. But yeah, I, I, I think there's opportunities out there and that's the challenge for people like yourself. And, you know, what can you do to make, make it your own and completely shake it all up? And it's gotta be something. Do, do you still love photography? Do, like if you turned your, like, do you think you've turned your passion into your career or, or vice versa? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I think observing is my passion. So the camera is just the the physical mode of transport, but I'm I've always been an observer and a collector of moments and um I'm keenly aware of time, I think, and shifts in um, I can walk into a room and sense something. I think that's, you know, I think that's one of my superpowers. I can feel what people are thinking or you know, you sort of, even if I'm wrong, I imagine it. And I, I love to make pictures where I, or I can almost see little thought bubbles coming out of pe- people's heads. And if you really look at a wedding carefully, everybody's on their own trip. So in one wedding picture, you know, the dad's thinking one thing, the groom's thinking one thing, the mother's thinking another, and everybody's experiencing it from all these different points of view. I don't have a lot of other things that I'm good at. So it's channeled me to it's challenged me to uh, put all my resources in this one thing. It keeps me uh, motivated. And do you see like an, an end point for, because uh, it, it does feel a bit like you put together this book and it spans, you know, so many years and it feels very complete, yeah. but you're obviously still photographing weddings and I'm assuming you don't have any desire to stop right now, but do you see a point where you would, you would stop or change? You know, I, I, I've thought about that and I think it's more just, uh, fewer, better. Even for next year, I have two weddings of just family friends. Uh, there's a girl in Ireland who asked me to shoot her wedding, and we've known her since she was 10 years old. And it's like, absolutely, like that's just a dream to just go and just, you know, sit at the table and have dinner and take pictures throughout. And so I don't, I certainly don't know what else I'd do. So I think it's just, when the right people find me um, and I've figured out who my people are and I've told the, pl- the planners who I work with a lot who they are and many of them have said that they know who a, a Dolan bride is or a Dolan groom and they call me, I got one for you. And they're usually these understated people who are shy and don't, they love photography but they don't love being the center of attention. Those are my people. Yeah. So. You know, that's my challenge to everybody is find your people. And for a long time, I did a lot of advertising people and they were such a gas to shoot, you know, the, the creative department, the creative directors and the copywriters, you know, that's a fun wedding. <laughs> so, uh, you know, find, find that group that speaks your language and appreciates your vision. And then, then it's a dream as opposed to shooting, trying to get every wedding you can it's it's like who will be thrilled to have you show up that's really the key yeah i think that's the perfect way to put it 
Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I can see it's gotten quite dark uh, through the window there. Um, <laughs> but th- thank you so much for making the time, John. I really appreciate it. So uh, interesting to um, hear your insights. I, I-, I really love the book. Um, where For anyone who does want to get a copy, where's the best place? I'm sending people to bookshop.org or in the UK. They've got that as well. Or if you're in Europe, I think you could go to the Damiani Editions website or on my Instagram, there's some links, but this is a great chat. I really appreciate you reaching out and having such a good conversation about it. It's, it's easy to overlook what's, what's great about weddings and it's fun to talk about it. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, you know, it is what you make of it, isn't it really? Like you can go through, you can go go, same as anything in life. You can go through, just go through the motions or you can really, um, you know, think about these things and, and try and take more notice. I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot going on in life in, every area you just sort of poke around that's it